On this episode of the Tough Juice Podcast, I had none other than my young OG, yes, my young OG, John Wall of the Washington Wizards, perennial all-star. And we talked about his 202 assist program in Ward 8 and what he's doing to make sure that the people in the black and brown and Latinx community is not going without shelter. We also touched on the possibilities of going to Orlando and playing in the bubble. Is he playing? Is he not playing? We also talked about the importance of all the athletes in our NBA family, the brotherhood, using their platforms, you know, to educate and inform and push the vote and inspire. Uh, make sure that you tune into this. I also have a link for you. If you want to help John Wall in his efforts, you have eight to 10 days, roughly, I believe, to continue to assist. That's the 202assist.com project. Make sure you visit that website, donate. Anything can help, small or large. And make sure you continue to listen to the Tough Juice podcast by subscribing uh, to the Tough Juice podcast on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your pods. Thanks for listening. You know, what have your messaging been to some of the younger guys on the team and around the league? Um, It's just so tough, you know what I mean? Because so many guys want to play, you know. We all love the game. We want to play as much as we can. But at the same time, when COVID hit, it's like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, you want to make sure everybody's safe first. And I think uh, Michelle Roberts, Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver are going to do a great – they did a great job of just trying to figure out, like, if it's safe for us to play, if it's not safe. But then you have a lot of people that still like, okay, I'm 40, 50% that want to play and not want to play. And then we have the thing that happened to George Floyd that hit, and we started having a protest and marching for that. And a lot of, a lot of people are standing for – well, they don't want to play no more. What's going on with all the racial race, racism and all that's going on? So it's kind of tough. You know, I mean, with the team, I just tell, tell all the young guys, um, stay working out. Make sure you stay in shape as best as possible. Um, I mean, we couldn't get to a basketball court if you don't have one in your house. No way you can get workouts in unless you got somebody that owns a private gym. And um, now they got to get ready to play. That's the most important thing. They got to get ready to play. And hopefully guys listen to what our trainers have because they had like a they gave us this app called Bridge. It was a dope app to download uh, workouts for us to do at home and uh, weightlifting and all that. And they showed us, they uh, demonstrated by doing their own exercise themselves so it make it easier for us to do it. So guys should be in shape. And if they're not, I mean, just pray nobody gets injured. You know what I mean? Because it's a tough time to try to take two months off without playing. You know how it is, Karan. You know what I mean? You can work out as much as possible. That game shape and game speed is totally different. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's been one of my major concerns with coming back. I was part of a lockout in 2011, and we started, we got the call, I think, like December 4th. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I was playing on national television on uh, on Christmas Day. So that was just crazy, and there was a lot of injuries that season. So mm-hmm. that's something that you're concerned about as well. Yeah, I remember that same year. That was my second year, and I was like, uh, we only had 66 games that year. That's a year of LeBron and beat OKC in the championship. Yeah. Um, it was just like, yeah, you, you can work out on different. You can work out as much as you want, man. But going out there and playing game speed and reacting with reacting to somebody else making a move towards you is totally different. If I'm working out by myself, I can pace my moves. I don't have to react to nobody doing anything. So that's the one thing I'm worried about is hopefully these guys don't get injured. And then you got to think they're trying to turn the season around next year by December first. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I understand like all the want to get the money and do the TV deals to get to. The 72 games and all that, but I feel like the rush debt, the, the finals might not be over till October 12th. Then you're going to play again December 1st. Like, there's no t- not enough timetable for guys to really get themselves back in, in order. So, and, and I'm glad you brought that up as well, but your observation, 
I want to pivot back and go to Brother George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. We've all been hit heavy in the black and brown community, but specifically our community. And what was your thoughts when you saw that visual? And what was your immediate uh, just, you know, transition to like call of action? Like I have to do something. Well, right when you see the video, you can tell it was personal. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know they even worked at the same um, uh, club or anything like that before. That's what I heard some people say. I don't know if it's true or not. But just looking at how somebody can look in a camera like that and knowing a guy, asking, telling him I can't breathe, it lets you know it has to be personal or he was just racist. It's just that simple. And to see it is devastating. But what made it more devastating for me was when they showed the next video the next day when he was beating him up in the car. And the other guys watching to hear him say, camera, camera, camera. And he stopped. And that's when George Floyd slides, I guess, in the car, slides and ends up on the other side. And that's when they try to say he tried to resist arrest. How was I trying to re- resist? I was already in the cop car. Facts. And then they see him on the ground as four guys. It, it just, it don't make sense. I don't think it takes that many people to do that. And it ain't like he was running for you or he's seven feet and trying to fight his way. And well, for $20 of a counterfeit, you did that. It's crazy. It's, and, and, and what's crazy to me is I try to tell it like social media is a gift and a curse and camera phones is a gift and a curse. You know what I mean? Because you want to be able to live in a private life, but then you want to be able to catch certain things. And if we didn't have camera phones or social media, we would never see these videos. We would never see what's really going on. And it's kind of hard, you know, which what our parents always told us, don't believe everything you hear. If you see it and got proof, it's the truth. And that's what we're getting right now. And it's, it's been going on. I've only been on earth for 29 years and I know it's been going on way longer than all the time I've been here. It's just now we get to see it and we get to talk about it a little more. And that's the most devastating for me because if me and you go to the corner store and, and, and shoot somebody in the leg, we both get murder charged right away. We don't Neither. have to wait. These guys get to go home and figure out if they're really going to go to jail or not or what murder they're going to get. That's just not fair. I feel like they don't expedite the justice process. And to your point, it's a system that's fractured. I think that the, con- the original Constitution and the amendments was – all written by original uh, slave shareholders. And when you look at systemic racism, when you look at systemic oppression, old Jim Crow, new Jim Crow, Willie Lynch letter, when you look at mass incarceration, the civil rights movement, all those things, uh, which led us to this point. That's like trauma that's continued to be swept under the rug and never addressed. And this is the first time of, you know, in our lifetime where we actually got a chance to see the visual recorded the entire time. And I think that that sparked the immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did the, the, you think the fraternity in our NBA community dive into this space so hard? Because I've been active in this space for quite some time, but I've never seen the surge of just awareness and support. I think, I think, you know what I mean? Just to be honest, Stephen Jackson. Yeah. To be honest, you know what I mean? You know what I mean, I, everybody know you're an OG, you're an OG, and, and if you're a real one and you be true to yourself, people are going to stand behind that. And I think what he went out there, the message he went for and went out there and what he stand for, and he just really wanted justice. And I think we all wanted that. You know what I mean? I think just to know that George Floyd had lost his life, his family's hurting, but it wasn't no justice being made. I feel like we all feel like we had to stand on that. And it's like, it just gets frustrating because like you said, a guy, I, I can't think of his name, just happened in um, Atlanta. Yeah, Ahmaud Arbery. It just happened. It wasn't too long ago. 
And then they took time to they they was out for a week before they even went went inside. You see what I'm saying? And then they really didn't want to charge them. Then you go to this, and it's like, okay, we tired of it, it's fed up. And I think now we had so much time of just sitting at home because with COVID, we just got a lot of time to sit at home and a lot of things we didn't, we said we can't do because we're too busy and we might not get to. We perfectly got the time to do it now. So if you don't come out of this as a better person, then that's your fault. And I think we all want to stand on something. You standing on something is very powerful. And you as the face of DC basketball, you and Bradley Bill, um, the Wizards issued a statement talking about they stand on the right side of justice and equality in America. Did you have anything to do with that? And what was your takeaway from that statement? Uh, it was more so Brad, to be honest. You know what I mean? Brad's really into that. Brad's deep into that and the politics and all that. So he really came up with the idea and us as a team and me being the leader with him, we stood behind him. Uh, and, we, and we understood what he was saying. Like we said, basketball, we ain't, gonna just, we ain't just basketball players. You know I mean, we want to be known as better people, better characters, and we want to come out here and stand for something and speak on it. And that's what we did. Well, standing for something and speaking on it, uh, you've maximized your platform in doing the 202 Assist program. And I applaud you for that. It's remarkable. Uh, I think it needs to be, you know, be given more attention. And one of the main reasons why we wanted to talk to you today is just talk about that, like, where did that idea come from? And I know you had to expedite that idea to make it happen in, in, uh, in a timely fashion. Yeah, well, you know, like, you know, we got our new practice city over there in Ward 8. So we, I get to see it every day. You know what I mean? I grew up in that type of environment where it's tough. And then, you know, that's the poorest, the worst part of D.C. You know what I mean? Like, the least fortunate families can't afford no food sometimes, can't afford nowhere to stay. So I'm like, well, I know COVID-19, and the most important thing you want to do is be able to have a roof on your head. Well, you know you got somewhere to lay. We can figure out how to find food, but as long as you got somewhere where you can lay your head, we'll be fine. And me and my team came up with an idea, and I think it was dope. Um, you know, we exceeded our goal this past Friday. That was great, but we have a great response. You know, me and my team want to keep going. We try to double it to make try to get 600K. You know what I mean? Why not try to help more families? And I have 10 more days to do it, and uh, I keep pushing and pushing and trying to tell people to go vote. I mean, to go donate if you can. Like, I'm not forcing anybody to, but I think it's for a great cause and a great reason. And why not? Why wouldn't, you want to, why wouldn't you want to help? Like, people don't understand that. Like, I know that the government had sent out stimulus checks, and that lasts for, you know, probably a, a week, couple weeks. Maybe two days. Maybe. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you look at you, like, finding it in your heart to just say, you know what? This is necessary. This is the need. And I observed it from my observation. I want you to talk a little more to it because right now we're talking about COVID being the epic center of the black and brown community. So that's Latinx, that's black Americans and people that's, you know, having underlying health issues and you just making sure that we have shelter, like make sure you're going to have shelter over your head. That's something that's one less thing that you have to worry about in the midst of a pandemic. Like, bro, that is just so powerful. Can you just speak on it a little bit more so people can really recognize, understand, you know, why you did this? Yeah, man. Like I said, like, I, I understand, like, a lot of them parents over there, probably frontline workers, essential workers, you know what I mean? And, and they sacrificing their lives for us that if you do get COVID, that you can fight and survive and beat it. But just imagine you going to work and you putting on the line or you wake up and see your kid. Because 
like we never can pick our families. You know what I mean? We don't we don't get to decide what our family is. We get to find out who we love and who's what loyalty is. And some of these kids are put in a situation where they have four four years old five years old where they can't go get a job, and their mom is, might be a single mom by herself, and she might can't afford to pay for the rent for the next two months. Well, why not try to help? Them? You know what I mean, I even partnered with a place called Bright Beginners where. If you're a parent that's a single mom, it gives you the opportunity to try to get a job and also help your kids go to school where you got somewhere to live. Like those are the type of things I look at because I've seen kids where it was a chance where I'm almost about to be outside. Do I, my mom going to pay the light bill or I'm going to go play basketball tournament this weekend? Pick and choose. And that's why I love the game and, and I locked in it so much. And that's why I love giving back to the community because a lot of people love to give money but don't like to give time. Time is more precious than anything to me because if I got the money and throw it to you, okay, what is that going to do? I want the people to touch me and feel me, understand I'm just a normal person just like them. I just happen to be a person that play basketball on the highest level you can play on. That's real. And and being about the shit that you say you about, like you mentioned, bright beginnings. You've donated four hundred thousand dollars or more, you know, to that program. And also frontline workers. We worked on a project with you, Hoopers Me Heroes. And you have I, I want you to tell the story on why you felt like it was so important to just give back and then your connection with the frontline essential workers? Uh, well, you know, my mom passed away from cancer. You know what I mean, so that was tough. And I seen like in, in, in D.C., the hospital helped us in North Carolina, two hospitals that helped her through the whole process of helping her with chemo and helping her when she was on, uh, on, her, on her deathbed taking her last breath. And I was like, everybody worried about what we going to do and how we getting sick. Why are we not worried about these people? Like, why won't we, do- we donate them masks? make sure they're safe in there because they're risking their lives for us. They're the ones that's going through the toughest time. And I made sure I gave them a meal to understand that don't, don't let the work you're doing is not going unnoticed. The world understands what you're doing. And I want people to understand and respect that because these people is going there every day, every day, every day, every day, all day, all day. And I talked to one of the ladies and she said, this might be the craziest thing I ever experienced in my life. And she's like, it, it hurts so much because we want to save people, but a lot of them we can't even save because we don't know what to do. Like, there's no cure for it. And imagine them going in there and we like, well, we go with half, why you want to have a gathering with 20 people and they got to go gather with hundreds and hundreds of people coming in every five seconds trying to see if we can save that person alive. That's why I wanted to help. But I understand all the care they gave my mom because they didn't have to do that. They could have said, okay, she has cancer. She'll be, she'll be gone soon. You know, they usually give you a timetable how long you're going to live. But they kept fighting and fighting and making sure my mom got the best the best kids she can get. And that's what I appreciate it for. Man, that's so powerful, bro. And not just backing something with capital, but with actual uh, physical presence that, that speaks volumes. And also, I would like to just take in your observation on what you saw when you was out there participating in the march. Um, It was dope, man. It was dope, man. Just going out there and like I, I loved it because everybody got together and was standing for one thing. You know what I mean? Like you said, you can stand on something and speak on it, but if it ain't, if it ain't true and you ain't going to go out there and show no, show no presence of what you want to do, then don't do it. And I went out there and wanted to go out there and walk with the people and let them know I'm with them. I'm standing behind them. Um, and it was dope. And I think, uh, you know, we're trying to set up something now with, um, with the Washington Wizards and the Washington Misses on June 19th to go out there and, and walk from um, the Capitol One Arena to the Martin Luther King stat- uh, statue. So, we putting it together, man. Like, we're not just speaking on this. We're going out there and showing the people what we're about. And, uh, I mean, like I said, Brad is a, is a heck of a leader, and I've seen him evolve into that. And uh, we, we, we talk a lot about this, and I go to his house and, and conversate. So we definitely can't wait to get that march going. 
So a lot of people don't understand when you say June 19th, the history of Juneteenth Day. You know, we celebrate our proclamation. Uh, younger generation, you're definitely a part of and a leader of that. Uh, what do Juneteenth Day, you know, mean to you and, you know, from your observation? Uh, I just think it means so much. You know, I mean, people don't really understand what we what we want to go through, what we want to do, and what message you want to have. So, like, you know what I mean? It's the flag day. That's right. It's the flag day, right? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? That's it for me. Like, people think just because the flag is there, we probably do whatever or stand for whatever. Like, you know, kind of what Kaepernick was going with. You know what I mean? Like, people got mad because he took a knee. Like, he wasn't taking a knee because he was disrespecting our flag. He still, it was standing for something more. And look what we're going through now. And I mean, Drew Brees came out with a statement and he apologized to it. But I was like, sometimes you got to think before you speak. Because he wasn't really listening to what we were trying to get our message across. And I think just because you want to come back, when you realize you did something wrong, you want to come back with a sympathy, apology, a lot of people won't respect that. And speaking of, you know, people in the young, the young new leaders getting their message across, Kyrie is, you know, I know he's one of your contemporaries and someone that you love competing against. But he got a message across. He spoke up and said, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go in the bubble. And I think that it's some type of conspiracy theory. Like, what is your thoughts on that? And what is your personal uh, thoughts as well going into that bubble? For me, if I was, like, playing, I wouldn't want to go to it, to be honest. Like, I just don't feel like it's safe. I just don't feel like it is. I understand why we, why they want to do it and what they're trying to get to, but I wouldn't want to. And, um, you know, Kyrie has his... It's, it's things where he be in his own world. Like, you know what I mean? He probably be in his own flat. world. The earth flat. The earth is flat. But um, I, I think, I, to be honest, man, I think he had a point, man. A lot of people feel that way. I think that's why they try to get on that call and see how many people really want to go play or how many people don't want to play. Because with all this Black Lives Matter going on right now and protesting and trying to get justice and all that, a lot of people feel like it's not safe to go there. And, and then that's what he stands on. You know what I mean? I don't know too much into it. But if I was healthy enough to go play, I wouldn't want to play. Yeah. And I feel like some teams is like, you, you got to be, what, four games or less? To, to even If you're a ninth seed to compete for the AFC and, and get the play-in game, like, so what am I going to just to play eight games? I won't go there just for eight games and come back home. Like, And then they took, what, 13 teams <laughs> from yeah. the West and one from the East? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm cool on that. Yeah, I'm cool on that. It's, it's crazy. But, like, when you're looking at and, and speaking, what, you know, Wizards was one of the teams that was selected. So, yeah. when you're looking at the opportunity and having complete optimism, like, are you itching to actually play? And I know that you say you're 100%, but there's no long shot chance that you'll be out there, correct? No, no, no way. No way at all. But you know I'm itching to play. Like, yeah. I can't wait to play. Like, we talked about it. We went bowling that time. I can't wait to play, but it's like me understanding what's best for my body and what's best for me for the rest of my career I have left. And understanding, like, okay, we don't really have it. We, we, we already five and a half games out. We got a damn near win all eight games. And imagine the Nets got to lose, like, six out of eight to be realistic to get in. I'm like, why would I waste that for eight games? And then first round, you got Milwaukee. Nah, I, I, there's, there's no point for that. Like, people are like, well, you healthy – People are like, well, you healthy to go play. Yeah, I'm healthy. I definitely want to play. Don't get me wrong. I love the game. I'm not going to never not want to play, but it's just not the time to do it. Yeah, and I think that you made a valid point earlier in this interview where you said, you know, being thrown into the fire 
immediately like that. I think it's going to be a, a ton of injuries, man, like hamstring, right. physical contact, all that stuff. Yeah. People when, when, social when, the, when the last time as we, you ran to a screen? When the last time somebody <laughs> ran to a screen? Oh, that's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to feel like that. And I'm like, you trying, like, I think what, some teams started to get in their building a little bit, and I think July 7th they go down there, but it's still not just going to be the same. Like, you know what I mean? People used to get on that plane, traveling, going to the next city. Like, it just, you're going to be in one hotel, one gym, go back. That's all you can do. You're basically on house arrest. Just go play basketball <laughs> for an hour or two. So everybody used to ask me all the time, hey, man, I know you did, you know, a little under two years in the in the joint, man. Uh, I know that was crazy. Like, what did, what did it feel like? I think everybody that's going to this bubble going to have a feeling on what it feel like <laughs> to be incarcerated for. Oh, man. They're going to get a little feeling of it. They ain't going to get all of it. They're going to get a little feeling. I'm like, you can't go nowhere. <laughs> then, what, no like, one else then, can come inside the bubble. And then what's going to be the fans? Like, I heard at one point they were trying to use the 2K uh, sound. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be like the fans. I said, no, you, yeah. can't, you can't do that. Don't do that. The, the, the players don't want to see that. That ain't it. But, Mm-mm. But it's basically going to be like you just scrimmaging, you know what I mean? But you're going to really see what guys really love the game now because you got to play without no fans being there. Like, a lot of people play for the fans, and that's what we play the game for. Now you're just playing to be like, okay, I'm scrimmaging. Do I really bring it every day? This is where you see where you separate those stars from superstars because, you know, superstars in practice, they trying to dominate every day. The one thing I did agree with Kyrie and what he said was, this is the first time and I think a long time, possibly ever, that the world has not had any live entertainment besides the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary, but that was filmed 20-some years ago. So everybody's facing – the live entertainment is the reality of the world. For the first time, like, you have to watch CNN or Fox or something, but you're watching our world as mm-hmm. it is. Will basketball take away from that and be a distraction – to give you some type of entertainment where, hey, maybe the world ain't so bad again? Or do we need to keep our point of emphasis and focus on looking at the world? I think right now we got to keep the focus on looking at the world. I know everybody want to see, like, Michael Jordan documentary was the dopest thing because, like, it's going to be the most viewed because everybody was sitting at home. You had no choice. <laughs> you, every, every Sunday you waiting, it's like you was waiting for power to come out. Like, I, got, I can't wait. I can't wait. Like, so – it gave us something to lock into, and now it's back to where you don't got it no more. But now it's like the world's trying to creepily, slowly open back up. You look on Instagram, you see people, doom, 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 100 <laughs> people in there. Now, I'm not going, I don't want the crowd with 100 people. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I just, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on, what's, how are we going to get back to reality? And I think, like Kyrie said, that's what people waiting to see, like, is it going to get back to reality, or are we going to be stuck? And stand still, because nobody never expected the world to just come to a complete stop. Dude. Like, out of all, all the years you've been living, I'm only 29, the way you've been living, there's no way we thought everything would just go complete, stop. Like, we was in the house. We couldn't go nowhere. Yeah, for real. It's crazy. What's, it, was like, it was like I was just eating snacks. I'm like, I can't do this. I got I to gotta figure something out. It's not going to work. Do you think, and I'm interested to get your perspective on this, because financially I know that when revenue isn't being drawn, and you touched on it earlier in the in- interview, Guys are like a little like, hey, I got to do something to bring in cash flow. Do you think that you're 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 five percentile? You you're different because your 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 earnings is a little different. But for those in that gray area, do you think that they're going to be like, yo, this is a contract year? I still got to show my value, or one of those situations where it might just be like, you know what? Even though it's not as safe as possible, 
let's just go play. Yeah, if you if you're in that gray area, one of those ones that's not really making money or not situated right, yeah, you definitely want to go play. Cause you know why? You get to that 72 game that 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 uh TV deal, you get your money back. Taking 25% is big time. That's big. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to see that go. Even me, I didn't want to see that shit go. I wanted it back. <laughs> it just being realistic. I don't play the game, but you want that. And I'm like, and, and not even because these kids don't make money, but I just feel bad for the college kids that use the NCAA tournament to make that run to get their draft stock up. Like, what can they do? They can't do nothing. So if you're a senior, now you're really like, damn, I hope I get a, I got to kill my workouts if I ever get an opportunity to do them. So it's like a tough gray area for everybody. But like you said, though, the ones that's in that gray area, they're not worried about it. They're definitely trying to go hoop. They go. They're going. And I know like LeBron, LeBron's like, okay, I'm in LA. He definitely want to go win a championship. You know what I mean? Like, he don't want to cut back off one year. When the year, the way he was playing, he's looking at it like, this is a great opportunity for me. Let me go. Yeah. Then you got the other side of like the Clippers, like, well, Paul George get the all get it all the way healthy. Kawhi's getting his rest to get healthy. So everybody's feeling like, okay, it, it's a it's a balance of okay. I'm getting healthy, my team's getting better, but if I'm, if I'm not there, I wanted to keep going because I was rolling. And that's the tough balance of it. Do you think it, like this champion, right, this season, do you think it'll be an asterisk next to the championship title? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. But they ain't going to give a damn. They're going to be happy they won me. I feel the same because I wanted to ask you, like, do you feel the same like when somebody winning throughout the lockout? You know what I mean? Because, like, you cut. What you cutting? What eighteen games away? Like like yeah, eighteen, 60, sixty-six games. 60, it, but you know what? I look at it like this. This is how I look at it. This season alone is like I think the toughest. We lost Commissioner Stern. We lost Kobe. my brother Kobe. We uh, experienced COVID. Now we one of the largest protests, and it is the largest protest in civilization history. Yeah. Global protests and. To be able to go back and function in an environment, in a bubble, with a virus, I think that's the hardest route to get a championship ever. Ever. By far, not even close. A thousand, 10,000% right. <laughs> not even close. I wouldn't even know how to focus back to get back to basketball. You <laughs> know what I mean? What I'm saying. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to. If I was, I wouldn't know how to. Who, who's your long shot? Like, I, I know you mentioned LeBron, the Lakers, but who's the. All right, hey, this team right here. Well, they I feel like scare some I feel people. like Boston gonna definitely scare some people. They got weapons. People still sleep on Toronto. I still like Toronto. You know what I mean? They they coach is great. Yeah. To get those guys that still play like that, even with Kawhi going, you know what I mean? Siakam, Blossom, Fred Van Fleet still got Kyle that's leading them. Those is mine. I got like, you know what I mean? No Milwaukee's up there, you know what I mean? Because of Giannis, you know what he's gonna do. But I feel just like Boston, Toronto, man, those two. You haven't played since 2018, I believe. Uh, yeah, December, yep. Yeah, December 2018. And I've seen you, and I know your mindset, and I know where you at. Uh, for those who don't know, what should people expect from you going forward? Um, You're going to see you're gonna see a better me, to be realistic. You know what I mean, uh, for me to be playing with two bone spurs in my leg that I thought was just tendonitis, and, and understand the pain I was going through. One of the, the first doctor, when I took it out of my knee, he was like, you should have uh, been hurt six years ago. And I was like, well, I ain't know that. And I got that cleaned up. And now I got my Achilles cleaned up. And for me to understand, like, where I got to be at and 
me being stronger than I ever been in my legs and being able to get up in the morning without having to limp to the bathroom and do all those things, I'm going to be a different player. I mean, I'm working on my shot even more better because I'm able to jump and plant the way I want to. Oh, that used to be painful. I couldn't even work out some days. Like, before games, I wouldn't even go get shots. I'm like, either get shots and be in pain or just wait to the game and get through it. How long you went through that process before you said, you know what, I got to get this looked at or addressed? Well, when I got the knee, I used to be like, literally, like, I couldn't sit with my knees bent. Like, I used to be in back of cab with my knees straight. Like, if I couldn't stand up with my legs straight, I wouldn't get in an Uber or no cab. I couldn't do it. And then when I... It was this year we played, like, like, when I got hurt that year, I was been hurt, but, like, I was playing Cleveland, and a jump ball went up, and I remember Colin Sexton dribbling at me. I literally couldn't even take a step backwards. At one point in that game, worst game I ever, my whole entire life. Wow. I'm out there limping the whole time, man. You know what I mean? Me and Corey Joseph cool, and we went to play Indiana next. He's like, are you all right? You don't look all right. I said, you know what? It's time to, it's time to go get this taken care of. Hey, bro, I remember, you know, a couple games prior to you even having this, the surgery, I was – you look great. Like you was like just looking like yourself. And yeah. I had you as the second best player in the Eastern Conference at the time. People thought I was crazy. I was like, yo, this dude is doing everything. Like yeah. his player usage, all the stuff that you brought to the team, your leadership, and you're doing that off the court as well. So, you know, my last few questions is, you know, ultimately when you look at your life and what you stand for, uh, and it's remarkable, bro. Like, I applaud you. I'm always, I'm always here. What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, definitely appreciate it. And that's one thing I can say, OGA, you always, no matter if it's, if it's something right or wrong, you always spoke on it. You know what I mean? That's what I appreciate because if you don't have that, you got all yes men around, you're never going to be nothing. You never can go nowhere. So I definitely appreciate that. But uh, one thing, I, you know, my legacy, man, I wanted to be known as, you know I mean, I, I know I'm be known as a great basketball player, but I want to be known as a better person with great character. You know what I mean? Like I always speak on that because that's what my mom preached to me. That's what she instilled in me before she passed and since I was growing up. And um, people don't even know I'm, I'm back in school to get my business management degree. You know what I mean? So like I'm definitely focused on that. And I definitely want to like be a GM one day with my legacy. Man, I, I wanted to be known as somebody that really cared for, cared for other people. I mean, I understand what I'm going to be meant for basketball-wise, but I want to know that I care for other people. Like, I'm really in the community. I really love giving back, and that's what I want my legacy to be. Like, I want to grow that even more off the court. Like, I'm still involved, and for me to be 29 is keep learning more and more things, and about to be 30, I'm just taking that process there. Man, bro, you definitely doing that, and, you know, as, you know, someone that watched you from afar and close up and got a chance to spend a ton of time, would you just want to say we appreciate you and the way that you're giving back with the 202 assist program, uh, the bright beginnings, your efforts in that space, and also not just giving financially, but being out there and having skin in the game, man. We salute you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I want to give thanks to all my donors so far, like Jack Dorsey from Twitter, Trevor Reeser, Ms. Jan, Coach Ozzy, Coach Kyle, Ryan Zimmerman, Brianna Murphy, Gia Peppers, everybody that's donating. I'll see y'all. I can't shout everybody out. But keep donating. Got 10 days left. Let's get this money to 600K and keep taking care of these families in Ward 8. Love it, baby. Appreciate it. All right, bro. All right, love it. Love it.